Hi, everybody. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend, and you're listening to the Book in the Territory Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. This is the artist formerly known as Daryl Van Horn, James Mitchell, the Sinister Minister, and I'm here to let you know I would rather slam my cock in a car door than to miss the dulcet tones of Hard Body Harper, my illegitimate son on Booking the Territory podcast. Who <laughs> messy this is professional wrestler Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wicker Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare, don't you dare miss Booking the Territory. Oh, yeah. This is a one man gang. You're listening to Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to our world-class cast. Today, Lance and I are doing world-class championship wrestling from May the 12th and the 19th of 1984, which is mostly the David Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions. I am sitting here with Lance, the man who was there that day. Lance Peterson, that is, at SMU Heavyweight on Twitter. He was there that day, and uh, he's going to walk us through just a great time I guess to be a wrestling fan in Texas and for world class. And yes, this is a bonus episode up on our free feed. So this will give you a little bit of taste of how it is, I guess, on the on the Patreon side of things, because Lance and I do these world class shows every two weeks. So this will give you a taste of that. But without any further ado, let me welcome in the expert behind world class championship wrestling. The man who was in the sportatorium every single week, just about eh, minus a few times. But let me welcome in uh, Mr. Lance Peterson at SMU Heavyweight on Twitter. Lance, you've been waiting for this for a while. So uh, let me just throw it to you and you just share your thoughts as we finally got to this moment. Man, I've had a uh, a legal tablet next to me for the last few weeks just writing notes after notes. Anytime I thought of something and I checked the, uh, the video out and see if it all matched up with what I was thinking. And so let's get into it. You know, uh, we haven't... Um, had a, a taping since the Denton show that we watched. Then they had the the best of. So uh, we're here at Texas Stadium. But a couple of things I want to talk about the week of Texas Stadium. They had the uh, the week before they had the 427 show at the Sportatorium, which wasn't filmed. And that's where Andre came back in. And that was the last time Andre was in world class. It was Andre and Iceman again tagging against Kamala in the link. But they didn't film it because they changed the filming around where they could film Texas Stadium and then the week after Texas Stadium at the Sportatorium to show, you know, carry with the belt the week after. So, um, the night before the Texas Stadium show on May 6th, we had the Channel 11 show here locally, and you know it went out uh, all over Texas, kind of, and that was really the last push of the interviews. And on that show, they actually had Garvin do a, a squash. Kerry uh, squashed him in about 30 seconds just to show he was ready for it. Also, on the syndicated show that on that best of that we watched, they had edited out the interviews with different wrestlers talking about Kerry's chances versus Flair. And a lot of the heels, like Gary Hart, 
discussed how they thought that Kerry was going to beat Flair. So they were really pushing it, the fact that you were going to go to Texas Stadium, and most likely everybody thinks there's going to be a title change, which I, I thought was just genius, especially that was on the night before um, on the Saturday night show, and then that Sunday, the Sunday of actual May 6th, they played that best of that we rec- reviewed last week. So there you so, go. Yeah, and so let's get in the time, you know, if you get in the time machine, I just wanted to go back to 1984 for two seconds. You know, we were watching, you know, Incredible Hulk, Dukes of Hazard in Dallas. You know, the the number one song was Lionel Richie with Hello, and, <laughs> and you know, Fall Guy was on, USFL was on. Um, that was the week Happy Days, the finale of, the, of Happy Days was on, and the uh, number one movie was Breakin', which uh, was a, you know, a breakdance movie that was, it had kind of those that come out around that time. That actually has Ice T in it somewhere, and John Claude Van Damme like is standing in the background during a dance scene, and that's not to be confused with Breaking 2 Electric Bugaloo that came out later that year. <laughs> so I just looked up some things to throw us back into the, the old days and stuff. You can actually go on YouTube and just put in a certain date and it'll show commercials for around that time and i put in may 6 1984 and uh people have commercials from that day up it's kind of crazy but uh let's uh let's get into the actual show on may 6th um it's just a a steamy sweaty ocean stew of humanity it was boiling it was it was 93 degrees and uh, as you can see as soon as they open up the show you know everybody's just fanning themselves with their programs um you know, Lance, for, let me go ahead. Go ahead. I want, no, I want to ask you one quick question as you're getting into this, because like you said, it was May 6th that it took place. And this is the first airing. They spread it out actually over three weeks. Most of the main stuff is out over the two weeks. So May 12th and May 19th of 84. You were there um, talking about how hot it was, you know, how did it thick them, baby? Uh, you were <laughs> sitting. You were sitting where and how far from the ring? Um, so I was in a, a, the lower bowl, if you will. I wasn't ringside. OK. So that kind of tells you. And and I see the ring in these episodes. The ring is about at the 40-yard line. Um, and uh, so, yeah, because I was looking at the hard camera. It's just a little off-center. Um, they moved it kind of uh, over the few years. In 88, they move it back closer to uh, the end zone. But here, when there's no seating. But here, it's about at the 40 and the seating is kind of in a horseshoe. They weren't at the end of Texas Stadium, which, you know, you're going to see the, the empty seats at the far end. But, you know, we're going to go with the figure of 32 to 36,000 people are there. There wasn't 43 that was the, uh, you know, the long time number. But but about, you know, 32 to 36. And, you know, say 50,000 plus. And, 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 and Mark's saying that during the show, and he, he might have thought there was, you know. But um, for me, you know, I got out there at noon. Uh, you know, it was me and a couple of buddies, my sister and her boyfriend took us and, you know, we just tailgated, you know, like it was a, you know, a college game. We threw the football around, you know, ate sandwiches and everything. And we could see the guys driving in. And I definitely remember Flair, you know, be, uh, driving in. He wasn't in a limo. He's kind of in a compact station wagon with several uh, guys uh, in the car with him. And and Flair had spent the previous week in Portland, you know, facing Brett Sawyer and Billy Jack. And and Flair's talked about it before that he was hanging out with Piper right before he left for the Texas Stadium show. And um, the show started at 3 p.m. And we're not going to get to see the very first match, which was Johnny Mantell and Kelly Kaninsky in a 15-minute draw in the heat. Oh my gosh! And uh, actually, during that uh, during that match, uh, 
Johnny breaks Kelly's nose somehow. I don't know the move. I know that Johnny feels terrible about it. Um, his wife did tell me that, though. And Kelly actually has to uh, forfeit his TV title the next night. Uh, they, 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 he can't defend it. I don't think he's there. But uh, that's, uh, that's too bad we don't see it on the, on the film. That was not filmed on the original airing either. Not that, you know, the network's chopped a lot of stuff off, but that wasn't on the original airing either. And on the uh, the video right now, you can kind of see that if you pause it right there, if you can, you can see the end of the stadium doesn't have anybody. But you can, but if you, okay, so you can see the end, but there's people all the way down there to maybe the 15 yard line on that one side. If you hit play now. Yeah, you can keep in mind. Not everybody's gonna, not everybody's not everybody's seeing gonna, the uh, the patron, yeah, right? The, right. The, I forget the, that the we're video. On, I forgot we're doing a free show, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, that kind of gives you a feeling. You can see everybody just spanning themselves and uh, going crazy. Um, one thing I want to mention right here is that uh, where is Bruiser Brody? Shouldn't Bruiser Brody have come back in for a uh, memorial card like this? Uh, you know, it seems kind of crazy. He was only 100 miles down the road in uh, wrestling in Temple, Texas versus Joe LaDuke for Southwest. But it seems like he could have fit really well into one of these matches. I would have maybe brought him in to go against the link or put him one of those guys either against Kamala or against Kabuki in that next match. But they were working pretty pretty close with Mid-South here and there. So, you know, I can see, especially this time next year, they'll really be working with uh, Mid-South. There'll be all those, uh, the guys will all be going up to Mid-South TV and then several of them coming down for the second Texas Stadium show. Yeah, I mean, you got Dog and you got Butch Reed on this on this show, just to name two. Um, you know, Mid-South guys, just there you have it. So, uh, all right, Lance. So you gave us some background, talked about where you were sitting for this. And, I mean, you can see it. If you, if you are a, a Patreon subscriber, you can kind of see what we're looking at. It was it was pretty packed. I mean, that's the far end where the where the link is standing up, and they, they're shooting towards the far end of the stadium. But, I mean, the lower bowl to about the 15-yard line, on the opposite side of where the ring is, I'll call it, is uh, pretty full. And and Dog and Link are about to go at it. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, man. This is uh, your expertise. You're the world-class man. So uh, what do you have from JYD and the Link as uh, the Link tries to jumpstart things, but Dog is not having it? Well, I like it when we saw him come to the ring. Uh, you know, there's no guardrails. You know, the wrestlers are just walking amongst the people. You know, it, it just I think it looks so cool that they're coming through the crowd and, you know, nobody's bothering. Them. They're getting to the ring and, you know, there's plenty of security around them. Well, I say plenty. There's not a, a crazy amount, but it just looks great. And look at the link just going crazy right here to start this matchup. I mean, he is so energetic. I mean, he he fit it would have fit well with the early 93 stuff, uh, 83 stuff that we watched last year um he's just got so much energy uh we see george napolitano and bill after of the magazines are just uh around ringside taking all the great photos they got so many great photos that day it's un unbelievable you know that you know both of them are there um they start off fast and as we saw link was it went outside the ring um <laughs> he uh <laughs> the uh, the sun is what kicks my butt on this watching this you know the the glare is and the shadows are just really annoying and it's for these first few matches and then it'll it'll calm down for the big main events but right now if you're watching on your tv the, the glare is kind of a pain in certain areas and it, it definitely affects this the, the picture quality um you know 
it, it, it's a simple win, you know, a, a simple match, but it's it's fun. I like it a lot. I see some people, you know, don't don't think much of this match, but it's fun. Um, Akbar grabs JYD's feet, and, you know, a, a Link gets the pin. Um, JYD, I don't think he was immediately out of Mid South, but he he was with the WWE by by August of '84, so you know he's getting ready to go. All right. So, um, any other thoughts? For, I don't. I don't want to add anything to what you got there with Dog because I mean he's pretty I, much. I, um... I want to say one more thing at the eight minute mark. Can you go right there? It's after the match. They've uh, they reversed the decision after the pin, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and and Link, uh, you know, Link gets the steps, and he's madder than hell, and he's he's throwing up in the air, and he just drops them down, and they just start rolling right towards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching on the video of Akbar going crazy, but Link grabs the steps and starts banging the steps on his head and then just kind of uh, drops them in a second. And the, the people in the front row kind of just have to use their feet to kick, the, <laughs> stop the, the uh, stop the steps from hitting them. And so it's a different time, just a, just a really different time, but uh, you know, good stuff to start the show. Yeah. I mean, uh, and it, it, to, to clarify the, the finish from what Lance was saying was basically, um, dog got pinned, but Akbar was holding his leg, and Bronco Lubitsch runs in, and he's like, "No, this is horse crap. Uh, uh-uh, it's not happening." Bronco reverses the decision, and I guess JYD is awarded the win um, by by DQ, and that was uh, that was that match. JYD is the winner in the first match that they televised on the March twelfth, nineteen eighty four episode from Texas Stadium. Uh, okay, so Lance, the next match is Buck Zumhoff and Iceman King Parsons versus the Super Destroyers. They announce a one fall 60 minute time limit at the start of the match. And um, I'll, I'll leave the rest to you. <laughs> well, once again, the uh, musical editors screw us and we mess out on the creepiness of Buck Zumoff coming out to We Are Family. <laughs> Which is wrong, if you know his yeah. sister. <laughs> hey, you can't deny Ice's charisma and Buck's energy. Uh, the sun, you know, it gets a lot better, at least for the wrestlers during this match. There's still a lot of sun that's hitting the crowd on the opposite side of the, of the hard camera. Um, I like the finish, you know, the pin, you know, it, and it's... It's a fun match. I just, you know, wasn't that into it. Uh, the people get pretty crazy, though. They're, they're, it's great to see a tag, uh, you know, a, a championship change hands. You know, everybody's into Iceman versus Devastation. And uh, Iceman gets a pin at, um, starting his second run as a tag team champion. Unfortunately, that last, uh, that last time he won it, he held it for basically a month, for 30, 36 days. This little title reign's only going to be 13 days. I mean, they, they take the belts off him really fast, but then Iceman's still going to be fighting for him in the, over the next couple months. Yeah, it was kind of like they just wanted to uh... I don't know, everything to be positive on this show. You almost get that feeling. Yeah. And, um, Iceman, yeah, he hit one of the Super Ds with the, the butt butt, and then he pins him, and him and Bor, uh, Buck Zumoff, who has just come in, hasn't been in there that long at all, is all of a sudden tag champs. And the people, well, they loved it. They went crazy for Iceman and, and Zumoff here. So it is what it is. Uh, it's funny looking back at it. You don't think about this when you're young, but it is weird when you look back and you see him winning and Iceman winning his tag titles. And um, yeah, that's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, that's all I got, Lance. Anything I think, else from I the, think anybody this? listening to this knows about Buck Zumoff's history in the last few years, so uh, we don't have to go over that. <laughs> yeah, if you Google it, if you don't know. All right. 
Uh, so we then go to the Bad Street USA Video World TV premiere of uh, the music video. Um, I've seen this one too many times, and uh, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, yeah, you got keep, anything else? keep on rolling. No, I've seen it plenty. Okay, uh, so then we go straight to the next match, which is the Von Ericks, which remember is going to be Fritz, Kevin, and Mike versus the Freebirds, of course, Gordy, Roberts, and Hayes. And remember, the stipulation is should the Von Ericks win, Kerry can take. Even though Fritz is in this match, Kerry will take Fritz's place going forward, quote unquote, if they win. Um, Lance, let me go to I want to want to go to a certain mark mark point in this because um, I want to play something that uh, David Manning mentions on the microphone. Yeah, Mike, he, uh, David Manning has to get his shit in. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. Let's hear it. Let's hear. This is before the match. Let's let's listen to what David Manning has to say. All right, listen up! Listen up! There's no rules in this match, but there's one rule we're gonna enforce. It's a tag team match. Only one of you comes in the ring, and that's the way it's gonna be. There'll be two people in the ring at once. No six man. And if you don't like it, you'll find yourself two against three. It's gonna be one-on-one -on -one in the ring and you can tag in and out. And that goes for the Von Erics too, you understand? David Manning reminding all parties concerned that there will be rules in this bout and it is a tag team bout. One man at a time from each team. The world six-man title. Next for the world title, most prestigious belt in all of the world. All right, so I just want to point out something, Lance, before I before you take this match and run with it. One, they don't listen to David Manning. You'll see that. You, you'll hear Lance <laughs> talk about that shortly. Uh, this whole one person in the ring are not going to be six of y'all in there. Yeah, whatever. They blew him off like he wasn't didn't even say it. Um, two, uh, have you ever talked to Kevin Von Erich? What the hell did he cut his finger on? For those who don't All right. know. All right. So you know they had fought the Von Erichs had kind of fought their way into the ring when the the Freebirds had gotten to the ring first, and Gordy throws one chair into the ring at, the, at him, and then he stomp goes around and he stomps on another chair for a second, and then just launches it at Fritz, and Kev deflects it and slices up his finger. And I did verify that's the one thing I bothered Kevin Von Erich about, and I did get it from him that it was the chair headed for his dad that that cut his finger, and uh, so he's bleeding all over the place. Yeah, he got a nice little nick on his finger, a nice little juice job going before the match even started as he stopped that chair from hitting his uh, his father. Um, so anyway, I, I just um, I figured, um, you know, that would be good to clarify what the hell Kevin cut his finger on as these six guys go then to start beating the hell out of each other. Uh, you want to take over from here and talk about this match where it's definitely uh, not one on one. I mean, they kind of started that way, but man, it's. Yeah, it it's take not long to break down. It's you know, it's first of all, I just want to say I think it's one of the best produced big matches of world class. I mean, there's great cam work. Everything on this is just storybook, storybook perfect with the crowd just so nuts. Um, you know, suddenly huge Texas stadiums becomes very intimate. I mean, everybody's eyes are on the ring. You're not um, worried about fanning yourself or the sweat. This is as hot as it gets right here. Um, you had Kevin start, then you had Mike come into the ring and do some moves with with Buddy, and uh, that's almost all they used Mike for right there. Actually, you know, Mike and Terry Gordy. Terry Gordy's in for a little bit in a second, but. 
Mike and Terry Gordy are and not the main players in this at all. It is uh, all about you know getting Fritz in there and the crowd going nuts. So, um, and you know, they just, go nuts real quick. When Fritz came in, let me let me let me rewind. I, I want the people to to hear the noise uh, that takes place when when Fritz gets tagged in here. So Hayes is dealing on Mike Von Erich right now, and then Fritz is getting ready to get tagged in. Listen to this. Boots. How can anyone stand with punishment? There's a body slam. Hayes goes to the corner. Look out! Mike Von Erich out of the way. Here comes Fritz. The crowd leaps to its feet. They're standing at Texas Stadium. All right, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just uh, it, no, it's, it's maybe a little hard to, to to hear, but you see the crowd; they kind of just erupt when Fritz gets tagged in. Yeah, you know the the music on these the entrances gets cut out, but they don't cut out this sound. This sound is the second best thing going on in these shows. You know, we like the music; the entrances get you revved up. But right here, this place is just nuts. And Mark Lawrence on commentary just ha- helps you know accentuate the fever pitch. I think he's great on this. I like it so much better than. Uh, Bill Mercer being on commentary, um, you know, it was a Sunday. Bill Mercer was probably doing commentary for North Texas or something. That's the reason he wasn't there on a on a Sunday filming. But uh, Mark is there, and he seems to be doing it live. The uh, he's got the uh, ca- camera monitor with a box around it, kind of giving him some shade so he can see. Um, you know, I kind of looked at it a few times to see if it looked like he was doing a commentary live, and it certainly appears to. He took the headphones off right when he stopped talking um, it, later in the show or on the next episode it's just uh you know incredible i wanted you to go to the um the 2840 mark and this is you know where it really goes this is the main section of this match um what it is is you got fritz and hayes fritz takes off his belt and spanks hayes while mike's holding him and you know the belt thing is just always over in von erich mythology von erich mythology tells us fritz you know whipped the boys when they deserved it and all this i'm not sure but that happened all the time but you know in mythology fritz used the belt on the boys and you know the belt was always something um and in a possible wrestling first right here fritz puts his belt back on after whipping them <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny and stuff. Um, let's go to 3206 on the video. And what I was going to talk about right here is right after a uh, the headbutt, Hayes is going to use the blade. You're going to see that in his left hand for just forever. I, he must be left-handed because he, uh, he certainly blades with his left hand, and then he has it in there forever as, uh, as they go to the double claw move. You've got the claw of Michael Hayes. Uh, Buddy Roberts is going to jump off the corner rope, but instead Fritz is going to catch him with his left hand and have both of them in a in a in the claw. And it's there's a great picture in the Dallas paper the next morning of Fritz with the claw on both of them. And uh, you know it's not um, it's not something new I- I the double claw. It's something he had done in his career to the Blackjacks and others. Um, it's just something new for the modern teenage kids, you know, to see it during the heyday that Fritz is here because it's been two years and there's just a ton of new, new fans at this point. Um, you know, all six are in the ring. Hayes is, has bladed and he's just juiced all he can. And, you know, he's got a crimson mask. Basically, we just don't get too many close ups of it. When uh, Kevin, you know, pins Roberts with a crossbody off the off the top rope, um, he, he pins Buddy, who uh, I'm not sure if he was the legal man, but that's for down the road. Uh, you know, so uh, after the match, 
they're still going to be brawling. Um, and here's the that's pin, when, here's the pin right here's here. There's the pin right, right there. One, two, three. I, yeah, I was trying to talk to the people that weren't hey, watching. Did, on you the see deal. The, did you see the eruption from the fans? I mean, they, they go like, I know we oftentimes talk on this show, Doc Harper and I, or even you and you're on an NWA show. It's like, you know, back then it was just, man, it was just the emotion you felt watching it. And you literally see it. Kevin Von Eric comes off the rope right there. And as we're watching along, one, two, three, the eruption, the fans like, holy crap, they won the six man titles. And um, it just was a different time. We'll never get that back. But I just had to point that out, you know, and stop you for a second. So, uh, but go ahead. I uh, Just a good moment. You were about to start talking about, you know, the celebration in the ring. Oh, it's just great, you know, and, and they're celebrating. But as soon as they're celebrating, um, you know, they kind of go back after the, the Von Erics. And uh, as Mark Lorenz says, a big, mean Asian, a big, mean Oriental. Who is this big, mean Oriental who comes in and uh, starts putting a uh, spike on Kevin in the corner? And uh, the Freebirds are getting the best of the Von Erics. They're, they're all paired off. And Kevin's, you know, eating this spike. And until uh, finally he had come in and start clearing the ring. So um, you hadn't seen, had you seen Khan? Uh, the, the, the huge Oriental that Mark Lawrence is talking about <laughs> is Killer Khan, uh, but he doesn't have a name. They don't name him in this episode. He just comes in at the end and he starts fighting with the Von Erichs and Fritz is potatoing him over there. But anyway, had you seen Khan in, in Mid-South in 82 or no? I, I did know who Killer Khan was from magazines. Usually, it was always that Andre story of him breaking Andre's leg, that that thing. Uh, but no, it, it, I didn't know who he was when he came to the ring right here. I was too far away. I could see somebody bald. You know, I just couldn't. You know, I didn't know who he was. Um, they didn't announce it at all. Um, it was pretty quick too. If you're there live, we're all cheering. I mean, that went that went pretty fast in real time, if you will. You know. It's a big stadium. All you can see is that some guy has come in the ring, and you're right. not even sure if it's a fan, you know, because you're you're not getting the commentary. You're kind of far away and everything, and, right. and it really was quick in real life. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, all right, so Lance, good little recap right there from the May 12th episode, that, and that was for for the purposes of of that episode that aired that week. That was the quote unquote main event of the episode, meaning. They didn't air the full stadium show. So we got that one on this week's uh, main event. So any other closing thoughts as we then jump to the May 19th, 1984 episode of World Class, which will air the big NWA World Heavyweight title match? Now, I, uh, one more thing on that Killer Khan. He's coming in at, you know, as the Freebird al- ally. You know, he's supposedly he's the one that took uh, Gordy to learn to use the spike to ever taught him the spike. Uh, yeah. You know, so we so here we are. We've got a new guy in the mix, a Freebird monster, you know, if you will. And, you know, because we're getting some comings and goings during this card and then next week. So um, he is in the in for the, the next year or for the next six months. And, and also, and Mark Lorenz actually on that episode, then at the end, does announce that Kerry wins the world title and that he uh, will see it next week. They did it which, that way. Yeah, which was kind of weird, but I guess the people did. I mean, you didn't mind back then because it was a different world. But so assuming you had no idea, which was very possible because it's May 12th, 84. Assuming you didn't know that Kerry won it on the 6th, Mark Lorenz tells us all at the end of the episode that. Kerry did win the NWA World Heavyweight title, but we will see the entire match next week. So if you weren't there, you know, you were there, so you knew. But if uh, you were like me and watched this and weren't there and then paid attention to this episode, you were like, 
oh, damn, I definitely got to watch next week because that's the only way I could see it. There was no YouTube and all that other stuff like we always talk about. Um, anyway, Lance, any other thoughts on the May 12th episode? No, that's going to do it. All right, so we go then to May 19th, 1984, and uh, you said it a second ago, and I made a note at this point. Mark Lawrence is doing a fabulous job on commentary. He is so much so. better than Bill Mercer. <laughs> you know, when people put down Mark, I think it's just they just haven't listened to him. Uh, I think it's a just the the frenzy, the pace that he keeps here. It's it's great. Yeah, he's he's just he's better. I mean, I, he's so much better than Bill Mercer. But you know, that's not me trying to like tear apart Bill Mercer. That's just saying Mark Lawrence did so much of a better job. Now, with all that said, we jump into the very first match on the May nineteenth, nineteen eighty four episode, which again is still from Texas Stadium, and we have Butch Reed versus Chick Donovan. Uh, one thing I didn't mention because we got and got rolling really quickly was they announced Butch Reed the same way they announced JYD. They said hailing from Louisiana. <laughs> so they said the exact same thing about the dog when they announced him in the very first um, match uh, that we did previously. So anyway, I don't have much from this. Uh, Butch Reed wins with a shoulder tackle, a flying shoulder tackle, and he wins by pinfall. But Lance, what did you have from it? No, not the shoulder tackle. And if if you, I believe that this match happened after the world title and before the mixed tag. Now, I believe this was the second to last match actually on the show. If you, uh, you look at it like that, it, with a, the first match was that Mant- Mantel and Kaninsky. The second match was uh, Dog and the Link. The third match is Kamala and Kabuki, which we'll see next week. So that's how, how that worked. Okay, good point. That they they're, The way they're airing it on the TV is, is they're airing it out of sequence and it, that it happened in uh, real life at the stadium. So, it's But a, this is a, our squash a, match. Uh, you know, this is the one not you know, in the bathroom break, definitely of the show. There you go. And that's not a shot at Chick Donovan or Butch Reed. It's just, it's just saying compared to what else was on the card that day, right? Yeah, we didn't have a vested interest. It's still not a vested interest in Butch Reed, unfortunately. You know, I knew he was, of course, you know, but, you know, the local fans, he hadn't done anything. Chick had barely been in and, and stuff and barely, you know, we'd seen him on Channel 11. I'm sure eat a few pins by now. So we didn't didn't think much of it. Yeah, no, that's you make a good point. I mean, like, um, you know, I was a big Butch Reed fan, but for for the world class audience, you didn't have any type of uh, investment in in him at this point. I mean, there was nothing. I don't know. You couldn't sink your teeth in anything. There's no emotional investment, and we all know if there's no emotional investment, it's kind of hard to to wrap your mind around a story. So there you go. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's get to it, Lance. Um, the 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 reason we're I guess you know here, and we wanted to <laughs> to watch this um this this episode and the reason you could not wait to get to uh, May of 1984. And it is because the NWA world heavyweight champion and the championship is on a line with Ric Flair versus Kerry Von Erich uh, for all the gold when it mattered. And I don't know what else to say other than to throw it to you and say, uh, go ahead and uh, have at it and give me your thoughts on this thing after you've watched it for the five millionth time right it is the five millionth and it from start to finish from the locker room to the locker room uh, of the this match is the is a spectacle uh it's not the match of the year by any candid you know and it's short but coming out of the locker room is one of the coolest uh visuals you can have 
and it sounded great. Uh, Flair did not come out to music, but it is it's so cool to see him coming through just a sea of people. I, I just love that. You know, that blue robe that Flair's in is going to always be my favorite of his robes. He wore that at the uh, the State Fair show a year earlier that we had seen here in Dallas. So, you know, that's always going to be my favorite Flair robe. Um, you know, if Carrie's uh, going to come out in a second, we're going to see Carrie. Uh, what they did is they played Tom Sawyer for a minute and got everybody revved up. And then they cut, cut the Tom Sawyer and they played uh, When I Die by Tanya Tucker. You know, um, David hadn't come out to that that much, but everybody knew what that meant, especially with, you know, once everybody saw the robe. And on on the Patreon a video right here, you're going to see that everybody goes to their feet when that music hits. And this is just, you know, classic. I mean, it's just such so great for everybody that's following him, following the brothers, following, you know, the death of David. This is it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say, man. It's um... I'm, I'm going to go into I just thought I'd give you a second. Anything you can yeah, say about I... the entrances. No, the, the, I mean, the entrances were great. Like you said, Flair comes out and it is it's it's unbelievable when you see him come out to the Sea of Humanity. And then Kerry comes out and I mean, he you look at it, it's amazing. He's trying to navigate his way through to the ring and, and the people there. Like you said, there's no barricades. So he's like they're trying to guide him through. And, and the, the amount of security, it's unreal. I mean, there's six, seven, eight guys working their way between security guards, arena security, police officers, and Carrie's getting grabbed and hugged as he enters the ring. It's uh, or, or finally gets past that point where he can get in. There's only a rope in the way, like, you know, you know, separating the ring from the people. This is, I don't know how else to put it, man. I've seen this. I haven't seen it as many times as you, but I've seen it enough to go. Uh, this was, this was so big. It, it kind of, I mean, my hair doesn't stand up on my arms or anything, but it gives me a little bit of chills every time I turn it on because it's just <laughs> like it's like you're watching it and you kind of envision yourself. Like for me, I would envision myself as a nine year old watching it. Whereas I know you don't you you were a little older, but you just kinda of like envision yourself and go, Wow, I kinda of remember seeing this so long ago. It's amazing that it's been all these years. Like it's Yeah. Like this is I mean, this is thirty five years ago, man. It's 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 like <laughs> hard to that's hard to wrap my mind around. Like it feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? It 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 does feel like a lifetime ago. I, it's amazing, and, be, yeah. and it's such a clarity on this production. Look how you know the it's a it's a beautiful screen of of the match, and that's what yeah. I think. You know, there's no problem. And I'm the first one to say I hate outdoor shows. I hate it when WrestleMania starts and it's light outside. I like it dark so I can focus on the ring myself. Uh, but this is just, you know, so many good pictures and so many of the ma in the magazines and magazine covers on this and that robe just shining in the sun. Um, I think Dave Milliken has that jacket now. Somebody had it online and had it for a billion dollars <laughs> for years. And I, I don't know the whole story on the jacket. The pictures I've seen of it, um, it looked, you know, like it gotten pretty dingy in travels. You know, in some of these ring jackets, they look fantastic on these guys. But when you just see it, you know, over in the corner or, you know, or pictures we've seen now, you know, the jackets don't look anything. It's, it's almost, it's like the wrestlers make the jacket sometimes. Very and I, much. I, I really do believe that. Um, so the matches, uh, you know, Carrie, Carrie put his hand up, you know, a second ago to show that he could see all the fans up in the upper deck because there are people in the upper deck. The upper deck's not full, but there's plenty of people. And Mark Lorenz says, okay, here we go. You know, it's all built to this. The match just starts, you know, it, the, as I said, a classic visual, ultimate baby face of the day. 
Um, and it, it looks like a true athletic contest. You know, there's not a lot of bullshit going on during this. You know, it, it looks like, you know, two guys having a wrestling match with, you know, not too much mess. There's a little begging off by flair in there. But um, I wanted you to go to the 1520 mark on the video if you can. I just like I think that that's where the great sequence is. The power slam. Um, there's the abdominal stretch. The th- uh, the throw off the corner. All the, uh, you know, classic flair stuff. I just, uh, you know, it's just, just beautiful. I'm with you, man. The, the scene of Texas Stadium and how packed that building is. I don't like outdoor shows either, but this outdoor scene with the amount of people that are there is tremendous. As Flair is just bumping and carries, <laughs> winding up and hitting them, man. This is good stuff. Go ahead. I didn't mean to. I love that. Hey, you know that that power slam, and I I know somebody online has such a great picture of that that uh, press, and I'm going. That's the best picture that I never took. <laughs> but yeah. I, I I love that. I wish I'd been down there for that picture because it is it is really awesome. You know the fans we haven't seen Kerry basically in a month. He was on the TV show the night before, as I said, the Channel Eleven, but he had been. Um, um, in Japan for several weeks and everything. So it was kind of, everybody was kind of fresh to see him. You might've seen that guy on the front row, the old man who wears the uh, red or blue jumpsuit sportatorium there. He's yelling at flair. He's wearing a yellow shirt with a yellow tie. That's Johnny Reed who will uh, pass away at a reunion show years later. While Wait, we were that's the, Lance, let me stop you real quick. Is that the guy that his oh, yeah. teeth flew out? Uh-huh. That's him. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. So him. he's wearing right, yellow you... with a yellow tie. Yeah, so you don't really get a good glimpse of him, but I posted it on Twitter uh, probably yeah. by the time <laughs> this drops, maybe a month or so ago, and the, the guy was so excited. I, I literally, I had no idea he passed away in the sportatorium, like he had a heart no, no, attack, at, I guess. at a Reunion Arena show, Front Row Reunion oh, Arena. Okay, so Front Row Reunion Arena, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Lance, he had a heart attack, medical was called, um, but he, he, he literally had a heart attack at a wrestling show. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. they carted him off on the stretcher. You know, I don't know if he died right there, but he, he died pretty fast. Watch these kids on that video. There's two kids. They start to come over when Kerry gets thrown out, and you can hear the usher scooting them away. Uh, they're actually sitting in the, the seats of Miss Texas. Miss Texas had been sitting in those seats for when she came out earlier. Um, anyways, you know, Kerry, they see there's the leg scissors. That's important because in a minute, Mark at the pin will say something. Um it's just, it's just great. Uh, oh, oh, on that man, yeah, I think it was eighty-seven when he passed away. It might have been Thanksgiving eighty-six. Um, I actually have that obituary and everything when he died. There was another old couple in Fort Worth, and the man died. In fact, Kevin Von Erich years ago said that the guy died in his arms there at a Fort Worth at the matches. So you know, all those, all those shows had these older people, and uh, that man was around a long time. His teeth literally flew out of his <laughs> mouth uh, cheering for the Von Erics in that sportatorium clip that I posted on, on Twitter uh, about a month and a half ago from uh, the time this airs. But so here uh-huh. we are. I mean, we're starting to get to the finish of this thing with uh, with Flair and Kerry. And, you know, Lance, did you think going into this you were going to see a title change that night? I kept saying, are they going to give him the title? And I was thinking it, saying that to myself, you know, are they going to give him the title? I knew exactly how this worked. Um, I guess everybody else kind of figured they did. Anybody that was associated with the company. Um, what I did, I asked Mark Lawrence at a show years ago. I said, did they tell you he was going to win? And he said, 
Uh, they kind of hinted at it. That's as much as he would say, but I know he knew. You know, Mark wasn't, it was nobody's fool. He was paying attention at the production meetings, if Bill Mercer may not have been during, but, uh, you know, Mark was paying attention. Mark had to say so much more during his Channel 11 Saturday night show. He's the host of the Saturday night Channel 11 show, and he had to keep up with so much more stuff. He really kept the storyline going far more than Bill Mercer ever thought about doing. Um, you know, and, and Mark had to sell you on the weekly house shows, and Mark was the one telling us every week how fortunate we were that we could have all these house shows all over the place, and we could see Yvonne Eric every night, you know, things like that, which was true. You know, we had these local rock stars, and, you know, you're going to see more about that in that Dark Side of the Ring uh, that's going to come out May 1st on, you know, that those documentaries. That's going to say a lot about how these guys were treated uh, locally. Just incredible when they pull up somewhere, go to Six Flags and do an autograph signing. Just uh, how insanely popular it was. And Carrie's going to get most popular of the year in everything this year. You know, um, you mentioned how Lawrence kind of knew. Uh, wow, Bill told me he knew. Oh, okay. okay. So, I mean, and he was he was just in a tag match against Iceman. I say Wild Bill. He was one of the Super Ds. Obviously, most people know. But uh, Wild Bill said, yeah, I knew. At least that's what he says now. I don't know. Well, they didn't have to worry about getting out social media like anybody backstage, you know, wasn't going to get out to the whole crowd. Now, if something like that happened backstage, you know, everybody finds out on social media in five oh, minutes. Oh, Jesus. It would take one person to tweet it out like a ta- like it could take a pissed off WWE talent to say, screw this. I'm going to post about it. And it's on Twitter and it's around the world in 60 seconds. OK, you know? there, there's the carry. Uh, Flair gets him with one shoulder tackle. And, uh, oh, there's, this is the claw. This is the claw for a second. We got to get the claw in there for just a minute, you know, get all everybody's signature stuff in on this match. You know, <laughs> it really is everybody's signature stuff. Um, eventually, you know, I'm going to talk about the, the end, you know, flair, um, uh, he tries to get Carrie in the figure four a couple of times and, and Carrie kicks him off. Flair goes for a shoulder tackle on Carrie. Uh, he goes for a second, uh, uh, shoulder tackle, but uh, Kerry goes to hip toss him. Flair blocks the hip toss. Kerry reverses, hooks him with the uh, the backslide, and one, two, three, no controversy at all. And he's the new champ. You know, I'm, I'm going faster than the video, but I'm thinking I'm trying not to look at the video so I can think about the people watching this, uh, listening to this in the car, so or whatever. No, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because we're going to get to it shortly. But I, I can remember talking to Doc about this a while back in. And I want to. We didn't do a whole episode on this, but we were talking about just how Kerry won, and the the manner in which he won was kind of incredible when you think about it, because it was a simple. The hip toss got blocked. Then he goes into a backslide, and the backslide he wins with the backslide. You're just like, holy crap! He just won the NWA World Title with just a simple backslide. It, and I know, like modern fans would be like. What? I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. But if you watch the backslide, see, Kerry is supposed to be strong enough that he's able to hold the shoulders down in that backslide. And here here goes the finish. Uh, There's the two kickouts. He's going to kick out a second uh, figure four attempt and they're going to they're going to bring it home. Flair right there. There's the shoulder tackle carries down. Kerry pops back up. There's the transfer hip top. His there it is. He turns him and into the backslide. Carrie's hands are up on his shoulder and he's pushing him down. See, it makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, when you when you watch it because it's it's not like sometimes the guys will go into the backslide and they don't have their their arms 
their their palms of their hands like on the guy's shoulders they just kind of are just sitting in the position but right it did it kind of made sense but like here's the thing i i don't know if i've and somebody out there is going to tweet me and say no they would give me an example but i don't know of another example where a title as prestigious as this one at that time for obvious reasons was one with the backslide and um you see it i mean if you're watch, if you're a patron of ours at tinyurl.com slash patreon btt the fans they are losing it man they're going nuts it's it's an unreal scene man and um you know i don't know lance you were there uh tell us what you thought at this moment as a lifelong world-class fan well, it's it's crazy. You know, I, I really hadn't been watching that long, only a couple of years. And here my baby face, you know, hero of the of my territory has won the belt, which is I already I did know how crazy that was because no, that wasn't happening. I understood the traveling world champion. And here it is. They've given him the title. You know, <laughs> they, they really have. Um, as far as the backslide, uh you know, at the point at that point, I was kind of like, yeah, backslide. That is different. You know, we haven't seen it, but we had we had seen it in some I'd seen it in prelim matches. I've we saw, I think, Jose Lothario try one. We had seen David do it on the Christmas show. And Chris, David was also wearing those same style tights at Christmas so that the tights match what David was wearing at his Christmas defense. So that's kind of something, you know, I put on Twitter a while back. Uh, side-by-side pictures of both of them doing the uh, the backslide uh, in their their respective matches. It's just crazy. I mean, I, I you know you're you're suspending all disbelief. You know, you know they've given it, but you're, you're it's a party. Holy cow! He has won the title. I mean, what are where are we going to go from here? He's fixing to go off and defend this title around the world. Are you kidding me? And, it, and there's no controversy, and, and, and it's a beautiful, you know, he's holding him down. There's no shoulder accidentally up, no nothing. It's one, two, three, no controversy. And, you know, all those guys hitting the ring is uh, fantastic. You got Don, Donovan, Mantel, Adams, Chick. Don, um, actually, uh, Junkyard Dog's out there, but you never get a close-up shot of him. But he's right there. So the, there he is. He's wearing a hat. He's, he's out there, too. He's jeans and yeah. a button-up shirt on, yeah. <laughs> and Chris Adams is getting in the way of those good magazine cover pictures right there. Carrie's taking these belts, <laughs> and Chris Adams won't get the hell out of the way. I, <laughs> that kills me because those are some of the best magazine covers of Carrie holding that belt. And I'm, I'm looking on here, and I'm like, Adams, get out of the freaking way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he really he really was for the, for a while, but uh, yeah, man, a big moment, man. I, I don't know what else we can say about it. Yeah, Carrie's gonna go back out, kind of get a you know a second round of, of applause from everybody, and then we're gonna head back to the uh, back to the locker room. Now, the thing about going back to the locker room, uh, these shows, you know, the first of May, this was probably Mother's Day. Most of these Texas stadiums were on Mother's Day, and they would bring Doris out and give her flowers. Uh, before the show, you just see her come, you know, she just, just right out of the locker room, not come to the ring and the boys would give her flowers. And that had probably happened earlier in the show. I'm sure it did because it happened on two or three of those shows, uh, being mother's day. But as Carrie makes it back to the locker room, right before he gets to the tunnel, uh, Fritz and Doris are right there to congratulate him. And, you know, it's just a hell of a scene. As I said, from the flair coming out to the locker room to Carrie going back in the locker room at the end, it's just classic it's fantastic um you know it's my home territory and you know i'm it's just great yeah don't tell me this is fake that's all i'm gonna tell you that's real emotion you know that fritz wanted all those boys seriously to have the title you know he had stayed loyal to nwa it's the fact that nwa changed on him you know, if Sam Mushnick wasn't running the title anymore, it was a Crockett belt. 
And so, you know, things were changing. Uh, otherwise, there's no doubt that uh, Kerry and Kevin would have gotten the belts. Um, we'll talk about it next year, what I thought going into the second Texas Stadium where Kevin goes against Flair. We'll talk about that down the road. Now, what I hate about this, and I, I made sure because I'm thinking in my mind, we, there's another interview here, but we don't get it. There is a locker room interview with Kerry and Fritz and them in the, in the locker room, and we don't get it at all. Um, don't know the thing about it. I'm going to try to see. I can't find it on YouTube. Most people on YouTube are using um, the Legends of World Class show or the episodes that they show. And I actually thought that that's how they piece this together. I had heard that the master tape of this episode was damaged, that these were ones they kept the sportatorium. But um, I don't know. I, I don't. I just can't give you a, a good answer on that. So. That was a uh, that's fun. Uh, I hate that we missed the locker room interview. We're going to see a couple more interviews. One at the Sportatorium next week, and there was one in in Fort Worth with him with the belt. So we'll get some more stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I just funny you said that. I've got the one where you're talking about where he's at the Sportatorium. But um, Lance, any other thoughts on what went down? No, uh, but you got to my uh, maybe my favorite part of the day right here. Uh, and yeah, this was, was a big surprise and I did not know I, uh, I'll tell you after you play it play it right here and I'll tell you what I thought when, as a fan being there yeah so real quick um, obviously Kerry wins the belt and like Lance said we don't get that locker room interview uh, on the episode that's on the network but we then see we go straight from Kerry going to the back to Chris Adams and Sunshine versus Jimmy Garvin and Precious as they uh, come out to the ring we go straight to that match but it is interrupted at the very beginning by the one and only Gino Hernandez, and let's hear what Gino's got to say. To gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. In the meantime, Precious has removed the wild paraphernalia. What is this? I've heard it one time. I've heard it 10,000 times today that this is the greatest wrestling card of all time. Well, so what if the Von Eric swept the world titles? So what if there's 50,000 of you here? No card is the greatest wrestling card of the world without Gino Hernandez, the handsome half-breed. Furthermore, I don't know what these two middle deranged females are doing in a ring. And you, you call yourself gorgeous. And you, you washed up punk. Come two weeks from now, Whichever one of you watch the past band is champ. San Juan Puerto Rico, you'll be all mine. Well, the words of Gino Hernandez making a challenge to the winner of this bout. Shut up! Let's go on. All right, Lance, your thoughts on Gino interrupting the start of this match. In person, I couldn't understand what he was saying. The uh, you know just the echo and that that happens at Raw a lot you know you can't hear sometimes in the ring what's going on all I could hear was that it was Gino Hernandez I thought I heard him say that and with that said boom that's the change right there to me um, this is the the heyday halfway point right here we have started with Christmas '82 to Texas Stadium and now we're going to go Texas Stadium through the end of '85 and this is he Gino is now the new top singles act. Basically discounted, you know, uh, Adams and Garvin right there. I could give a shit about Garvin and Adams now that that uh, Gino has hit the ring and a whole new world is opening up. Um, 
But, you know, I, 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 we're going to go on. I could go on and on about Gino. We're going to have plenty of time for that. But let me just say, that is exactly where I feel the change. Every time I watch this episode and I'm thinking we're going to see this match and Gino comes in the ring and I'm not thinking about it, I go, oh, whoa, this is the change right here. Um, you know, in Heroes of World Class, I just wanted to throw out this comment that Mercer says, you know, well, you know, we're just glad to see Gino back. You know, they they really liked him backstage. You know, he's a you know a good soldier, a workhorse. You know, he's young, but he's a veteran. He's just been around so long. And I'm going to skip over some of his bio stuff and just go into the match because um, his timeline is just interesting. But he'd been going 11 years at this time. Talking about Gino, so, you mean? Yeah, just talking about yeah, Gino. Yeah, you know, we got, we got just, plenty of time to talk about him in the next few yeah, in the next episodes. Yeah, we're going to have plenty of time because, I mean, that's just, the, it's just a real quick snippet. We don't even know who to – I say we. Obviously, in hindsight, we know who he is. we got all this background. But going along with the storyline, if we were calling this like it was straight right now, we'd go, who the hell is this guy? What the hell is he talking about? I mean – I, I, there's a lot of people who are thinking that at that moment, but Lance is right. In future Patreon shows for World Class at tinyurl.com slash Patreon BTT, uh, become a patron. There's 150, 160, 70 plus episodes up at this time. Lance is, Lance, one thing Lance knows is World Class's history very well. Not only that, but all the wrestlers who came through World Class, he will tell you and elaborate a lot on Gino Hernandez because he keeps talking about it and has been talking about it for a couple <laughs> months now, uh, which is a beautiful thing. So that's why he does the World Class shows with me. But uh, I wanted to point that out as you're about to, uh, I guess, go through the finish of yeah. uh, Adam, Sunshine, Garvin, and Precious here. Uh, you know, the girls are, are dressed, but it's not a, a TNA show at all. You know, it's it's regular girls pissed off, and we're finally they have finally have a match. You know, they sunshine got a personal issue, Lance. Yeah, yeah. There's you know, it's not like we're waiting to see them get stripped or we're seeing their uh, g strings like in the ECW with Beulah and all that. You know, we're just seeing them get after it. Um, sunshine wants in, but it's you know, it's Adams and Garvin there that are going to start. And uh, finally, Sunshine gets tagged in. She's gonna. Um, Precious is going to kind of hesitate, but Sunshine's going to you know flip, pull the top rope and flip uh, Precious on over, and then she's going to catapult her in the corner. Um, Precious will finally escape. <laughs> and, uh, this is this is, she, this is awesome right here when she the crowd just so, goes nuts. Sunshine gets tagged in, and Precious is like, "I ain't fucking getting in there." And then she she whips her in, and the crowd is going ape shit. I had to point that out, but go ahead. It's great, you know. She didn't want to do this at all. Uh, she uh, precious he uh he had to beg her to do it and she then she became the valet for like five years uh you know she didn't want to do it uh sunshine had never seen a match in her life when he when she drove to dallas with garvin and, and garvin was explaining what you know she needed to do um the uh, the original garvin uh video where james day dillon gives garvin a valet is was put up on youtube just a few months ago and has the original precious on it but uh garvin has said that you know that was kind of causing problems you know that you know he'd been married a long time and here he's got this new valet so the idea to go with uh Go with Sunshine, you know, his cousin was, uh, you know, the idea, and he had to, you know, teach her everything. And it's amazing that they hit such home runs on both these girls. Just incredible. Yeah, this has been a long storyline played out over 
wow when did this start land this is i mean we're in may now this is what did it start in october september yeah yeah they had their falling out on halloween of 83 was when there, you know yeah. the whole sunshine thing went down then chris adams did the avenger thing and we saw the title change at thanksgiving we saw the girls were supposed to get five minutes in the ring if if adams won at christmas and they screwed everybody over on that i always talk about how how i wasn't there but i felt so bad that they screwed the crowd on christmas of getting that but i think it was all to stretch it out to here uh, you know they've had they in between this they've had cage matches where the girls were in the cage but this is like the first uh you know bout that they were going to yeah. have against each other um the you hey, know Lance, go ahead i want to say real quick man so chris is obviously juicing uh, at this moment while garvin is holding him down on a canvas and chris hits the turnbuckle and then goes down and you can see the blood look at bronco he lifts his head up like lifts to look at him like <laughs> To see if he was bleeding. It's funny when you look at Bronco. Cause, oh it really God. is. But that anyway. was kind of insane that he, he lifted his head. That's that's really is strange that he would do that. <laughs> that oh. funny. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out. But go ahead, man. I hate to cut you off. No, no problem. There, Sunshine gets a tag finally for the second time. But Garvin's in the middle of the ring, and he trips so that Precious gets the uh, the upper hand on Sunshine. It's, uh, you know, th- some good stuff, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get well, the camera where we're at. Yeah, because what happens is um, precious and uh, we don't even see the pinfall. Adams yeah. rolls up Garvin, but the camera doesn't catch it. And I, I don't know. They had that hard camera set up fine, but they, they pan to like, I guess, a ringside camera. And we don't even see there it is. Yeah, the girls are fighting. And then. Adam's sunset flips, I guess, Garvin, and, and the pin happens, and you don't even see it. So um, long story short, Adams and Sunshine end up getting a win over Garvin and Precious, but you don't even see the pinfall. It's just a minor thing. I mean, you know, that's one thing that you just don't – that doesn't happen nowadays. You pretty much see all the pinfalls in the major moments. But anyway, long story short, I guess this feud is, is finally starting to wind down, but I'll let you recap it all. Amen. It is getting, uh, you know, down, uh, getting to be over with. Uh, yeah, give me the hard camera. It, all I needed was that. They, uh, it's terrible they missed it. I do think it was a sunset flip. But at the end, uh, Gar- uh, Adams and Sunshine are holding their hands up, and Precious comes up behind Sunshine and wallops her with the purse a couple of times. And they're off to the locker room, Garvin and Precious, while all of a sudden here comes Sunshine and Adams, and they they she races and chases her down. I can't believe as much of a head start she had, and they caught and she catches up with her, and that's that's pretty wild. The crowd is just going nuts here as they fight right before they go up the t- tunnel. So they're right there below the crowd. Um, next year it'll be right where the car is that they're going to beat up. Uh, finally, Garvin and Precious escape up, and so it gives just a little added extra to the the crowd that they saw. A, they think they saw a lot more than they actually did with the girls. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's 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 kind of a kind of what I see. But now, Mike, you know, I have to say, please don't take my sunshine away. She is gone. This is the end of sunshine f- till October. She is on sabbatical for several months. And, uh, you know, Garvin uh, is the American champion. He's eaten plenty of pins so far, um, and especially that big one on the, the night before against Kerry because that really put him in his place, seeing Garvin, who's been the American champ, lose that fast to Kerry. Um, it's all the signs of Garvin moving on pretty soon. But, you know, the, we're going to see him maybe one more time on the syndicated. They'll, the, he'll be a lot on the Fort Worth as they build up a, uh, a loser leave 
match on the on the Fort Worth show, but that won't have much to do with the uh, syndicated show we see. Um, you know, in real life, it's just been a whirlwind for Sunshine. You know, for 15 months, she's been uh, she's just been going at it, and she had she's only 21. She had not been in the business, and um, you know what Garvin said. Uh, on the shoot interviews I watched this weekend, I, I looked at it to see what he was saying, and you know he said she just partied so hard, you know it, it got crazy. She she he actually said her and Buddy Roberts, you know, it'd be a couple of days they go off. Um, it's going to be referred to that she's had a mental breakdown and things like that. Um, you can look up what's gone on with her, but yeah, all of a sudden that was the end of Sunshine with this Texas stadium, and we'll we'll be a while before we see her. Yeah, and and we've we've cataloged it on all these shows uh, going back to when Sunshine first comes in. So uh, please, when you become a patron, go back and listen to even you know about a year ago at this time when uh, I want to say it was about a year ago, actually a little longer, March of '83, I guess is around the time when they came in, and it's just really good stuff as we cataloged and took the journey week by week of when Sunshine came in and Garvin is there and. Um, just everything that they do. It's a, it's a fun little story. And then the, the Garvin and David feud and lots of, lots of just great stuff that happened in world-class, especially as we got into that first part of 1983. Uh, I'm going to stop the video version of this right now, Lance, you and I can keep going cause we're at the, the limit of the video version, but, uh, yeah, let's keep going. So, um, Lance, I hate to see that you're getting uh, going to break down because uh, yeah. your sunshine is leaving. Yeah, sunshine, sunshine is gone. You know, we I've talked about her a year and a half of what she's uh, – you know, we've watched every step. You know, I've led you all along the way saying, now watch. And this – you know, the valet for a day is like where she really started shining, where it really became, wait a minute, what about sunshine? And then for the fans to just uh, – when, when the turn came and she was the the – the jilted lover, you know, that it was she just was incredible. She was broad. Call it yeah, Lance. There it is. There it is. <laughs> She's been done wrong. Uh, it's, you know, it's the fans. They could never have imagined that the fans would just go to her so much as they did because immediately, you know, everybody was crazy about her. Everybody wanted to see her get revenge. It's the, it's just such a home run. It's a 15 month stretch. Um, Garvin's incredible. I, I always think Garvin is one of those characters you look at that nobody can do now. You know, nobody's going to be able to create their own character and do what they're going to do in wrestling for this long, you know, without being told what to do. Here he is. He came, he was told to come up with that, that gimmick in Florida. Somebody said, you've got to come up with something. And he had been wrestling around and he, uh, he came up with that. And, you know, then it's pretty soon after coming up with it was when David, uh, ask him, you know, come to Texas and we're going to do business. And uh, it's a home run. I've said it a hundred you know, times. What's funny is like, I've seen it not as many times as you, but after going back through the Garvin run in world class and I watched that, I rewatched that after I rewatched Jimmy coming into uh, Jim Crock promotions uh, because, you know, with our NWA Saturday night show. So what was funny is when I went back and watched at first, when Jimmy comes into to Jim Crockett promotions, I I can't say I was a big fan. Like I was like in my mind, I'm as I'm rewatching it, going, "There's just something missing. He's not the Jimmy Garvin that I enjoyed, and and you know, just loved watching him world class. I mean, I hated him obviously when I was a kid, is what I'm saying. And then, like it grew on me uh, watching him in Jim Crockett promotions. I started to all of a sudden see the things there 
that made me like him in world class, even though he comes in as a heel and he's, then he becomes a baby face uh, with the whole Ronnie Garvin thing and the cosmic fireball that Jim Cornette threw in Ronnie Garvin's face. So like I, I, I at one point was like, no man, Jim, Jimmy Garvin and Jim Crocker promotions. It's just, it just doesn't work for me. But over time after re rewatching it again, I was like, no, he, he actually does work for me. And I kind of like him there um, where I'm not sure I, I like him is when he becomes a quote unquote free bird. Um, and that's not <laughs> his fault. I'm not, I'm not putting that on Jimmy's feet. That's, this has nothing to do with me saying it's him. I just, um, in, in, in your mind, especially in mine, but I know you, especially when you think of the free birds, you're thinking of, uh, Hayes, Roberts and Gordy, you're, you know, Garvin probably is the last thing, but, uh, but Jimmy Garvin was just such a, a good thing to watch a treat when he comes in, he's got sunshine who was actually, um, precious at the time but he, he's got her and you know then they break up and hell hath no fury like a like a woman scorned and you're right you're going back to what you said a second ago when when sunshine ends up being heartbroken and they knock on the door jimmy garvin and precious is in her underwear with a dress shirt over her. it's it's just some really good stuff that we covered back then and uh it was a fun little ride in 1983 as we went through all that man it just was a, it was a whole lot of fun and uh you know, kudos to Jimmy Garvin, Sunshine and Precious on that whole angle. And Adams, too. I know I know Chris Adams isn't your favorite person, but I just wanted to point that out. I know, I know you don't like Chris that much. But but anyway, I uh, just wanted to point that out, man. I have tried not to like Chris, but unfortunately, I can't deny him. You know, and I and his feud with Garvin is a, uh, so much more dynamic than in the matches, the actual matches than he had with David. I just, uh, you know, I, I him and Adams just went at it in a whole a different level than he did with david it was just a different you know two, two, two different guys uh he was wrestling but i i just thought garvin was just so great on that um i want to tell you a couple of things garvin says that in uh, the wwf did contact him during these world-class days but he had seen what they had done with other nwa guys and it so he it really made him worry and then nwa was wanting him and also awa and he went to the awa and a year later, when he went to NWA, he says he always remembers that Flair and Tully were up on some stairs. Up, yeah, you know, it was Flair and Tully up on the stairs, and they said, "Oh, look who's here now! Where were you last year when we needed you?" And he always said that that you know kind of made him feel like an outsider in the NWA. So uh, that's kind of you know it, it something right there. You know, he he was getting up there in age, anyways. Um, you told me what, you told me you you had told me that before. I remember that, and um. This is, that was weird hearing them say that uh, or hearing the story of them saying that. I, obviously, we didn't hear right. them say it. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, it's you know, in, I don't know. In interviews, Garvin, and he said this years ago, and I don't know what he gets at. He he makes himself out like in the locker room. He's not scared to say anything and that he was wild. But I don't hear any of those stories. He always says, oh, they wouldn't give a title to a guy like me. I was too wild. Um, he says a lot of that stuff. I don't really know any examples. Um, you know what Garvin Garvin's dad was the police uh, chief in Tampa and died really early. And so by the time he was uh, in, he had gone and trained with Mike Graham in a little wrestling club, you know, a, a, a real amateur club. And the first time he was interviewed by Gordon Soley was when he was nine years old. <laughs> so he felt like he was a part of the group. You know, I guess he did feel like he could always, uh, always talk and say what he wanted behind the scenes you know he's he wrestled luthez danny hodge and buddy rogers all three and uh that's 
that's pretty wild, uh, you know, that he, he wrestled all three of those guys. Um, that's, he's had that's, a hell that's of a wild, career. Dude. That's, that's crazy when you think about it, the names you just mentioned. It, it, it really is. Um, you know, I just wanted to go back to the Texas Stadium show for just a second. You know, I talked for weeks that, you know, the pageantry of Texas Stadium and all that. Well, you know, it all got cut out. What, uh, what we missed, we missed uh, Ralph Pulley saying God Bless America. Uh, Miss Texas saying American Trilogy, which, man, that must have been long on that day. I, you know, I can't remember her singing it. I know that, you know, it, that somebody sang, but, they, you know, I probably was gone to get a drink or something. And then, uh, then a young girl named Jill Floyd. Lloyd saying Heaven Needed a Champion, which was written by Glenn Goza. And Glenn Goza is the guy on the front row of this whole show that we've been watching that's wearing uh, white with a red maroon vest. And he's sitting in the front row. And we don't get to hear his uh, wonderful rendition, but we will on the at the Cotton Bowl in, in a few months get to hear him sing uh, Rasslin, R-A-S-S-L-I-N, at the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> so we, we've got that treat to look forward to. <laughs> it is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on lance not that bad huh it's pretty bad the girl who sang uh in there who sang heaven needed a champion his song and there was a girl named jill floyd and she she went on to uh her brother who just passed away was in the movie with uh with uh willie nelson was called honeysuckle rose and her and her brother toured with uh with willie for a little while and everything and she was in a review show that's out here in the between Fort Worth and Dallas called the Johnny High Review. And that's also where Leanne Rimes came out of. And a, a guy I went to school with who made it kind of big in country music, he had been part of their, their review out there in Arlington, Texas. But uh, we miss all the singing, but that's okay. I didn't mind too much. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get to see um, Glenn Goza sing wrestling, like Lance said. And I've heard that a million times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, one of those embarrassing things where people say, oh, wrestling. They always remember that. <laughs> R-E-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Um, oh, no, man. Uh, uh, my, uh, my, my, my Mid-South co-host, uh, the great Brian Lass, uh, has played that one numerous times on the 605 Super Podcast over the years. So The, li- the yes, live version is-, is horrible at Cotton Bowl because he can't hear the monitors, and he's off <laughs> off with it. And it's it's just uh, it's terrible. <laughs> but I, I got to say, I, am, I couldn't be more excited about Gino coming into the area. Um, whole new world. Now we're going to see uh, you know one more match from this show is Kamala and Kabuki on the next episode. And there's a, it's one of the most interesting stuff, you know, newsworthy thing to come out of this show is what's going to go on with Kabuki and kamala which we're going to get into on the next yeah. uh, world yeah, class next episode that's that's on the may 26 1984 episode because what happens is they air that match with kamala kabuki and then we go to the sportatorium for the remainder of that episode uh which that episode actually has a rematch of rick flair and carrie on it we won't spoil the results though here uh even though it was <laughs> 1984 um i don't know lance this was fun man i know you've been waiting for this for a while uh, this was a huge show, obviously one of the biggest ones, and um, that's why, you know, we wanted to do this one on the on the on the free feed. So as a bonus show, kind of give you a taste of what goes on on our world class show and all the knowledge that Lance brings. Um, you all heard Lance the last couple of weeks on the NWA show, but I wanted Lance to to I think we did this at Christmas time last year as well, but I wanted Lance to to do the to do this show with me here on the on the free feed as a bonus episode to give you a taste of our world-class show and everything that goes on there because Lance really does a great job of um, sharing his historical knowledge of world-class. The thing was, uh, I'm not kidding, the man was there 
Friday nights or whatever night <laughs> a lot in the sportatorium watching many of the tapings that we cover. And, you know, we're in 84, so we got we got a number of years to go with this world-class thing. So if you enjoyed this, please become a patron, tinyurl.com slash BTT. It is a great way to support this show on an ongoing basis. Like I said, there's over 160-plus Patreon-only uh, exclusive episodes that you will enjoy. If you just want the world-class shows, you can sign up for two bucks a month and you can get the world class shows. If you want to do a little bit more at the five dollar tier, we have tons of other stuff. We've done some ECW shows right lately uh, or an ECW show. We did an AWA show plus our Jim Crockett promotions and Clash of Champions uh, pay-per-views uh, or the Jim Crockett promotions pay-per-views and the Clash of Champions in 1988. We're getting ready to start doing those uh, as we get to them on our NWA Saturday night show. So I wanted to mention that. Uh, it's a great way to support the show if you do become a patron and uh, sign up on Patreon. Like I said, it's a, it's a great thing. Also, don't forget to use our Amazon referral link. It's tinyurl.com slash Amazon. Another great way to support the show. So if you're buying wrestling books or anything and everything off of Amazon, like Bobby Blizz's book, Pin Me, Pay Me or Death of the Territories by Tim Hornbaker, uh, use our referral link. It's tinyurl.com slash Amazon. And again, the show gets a small amount of proceeds in return when you use that link, and it does help what we do here. Production costs, software costs, all that stuff that goes into making this show. Lance, I think I'm winded now. Did I miss anything in the plugs, or um, <laughs> did I miss anything on this show? Or um, tell the people where to find you also on Twitter, I should say. I think we've got it. And, you know, I SMU Lance Peterson at SMU Heavyweight on Twitter, and I'll, I'll have a ton of stuff up. Uh, the first of May coming up with these Texas stadiums, all the Texas stadiums. I I went to five of them, 84 through 88. Uh, there were two others. I got a couple of pictures from those. I wasn't there in 72 or 76 or, or 82. I forget about 82 a lot. So, uh, you know, I'll put, I'll put the programs up. Um, I'm going to actually put programs up from the night after carry one. I actually, I'm never looking for programs, but I actually bought two programs this last year. The, uh, the Fort Worth show that carry, you know, carries the belt into, and then the, uh, Next episode, the uh, the one where he fights Flair at the Sportatorium, I actually uh, bought the program for that. And uh, that kind of tops off my collection. I'm not looking for too much more stuff. I've got way too much already. But I hope everybody uh, had a good time. We're really going to start the second, second half of the heyday uh, starts with the next episode. Yeah, it's going to be fun getting into it, man, as we uh, get into the middle of 1984 and beyond. So uh, plenty of good stuff to come in world class. Um I was well. I was going to mention when world class starts to decline, but we're not at that point at this at this stage. <laughs> no, We've we got really we got a stuff. you know a hell of a year coming up in, in 84, 80, uh, the rest of eighty four, eighty five. You know the the dynamic duo. You know Gino coming in. It oh, really gets oh, me yes. motivated for these shows because it's something new. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm. I'm right there with you, dude. We right got plenty more, you, so. plenty more, plenty uh, more reunion arena stuff at the end of the year, you know, a couple of reunion shows. There's going to be a couple. Now, after this Texas stadium show, they do a couple at, uh, in Fort Worth at the convention center that aren't really focused that much on the, uh, syndicated show, but the main events will be, up. they will be main. Usually Fort Worth was all, it was always about the six man tags. Uh, that's what Fort Worth really was. And, you know, we've seen the Von Erichs Freebirds a million times now, but now we're going to start seeing maybe these Bad Street matches. We still didn't see Carrie. We didn't see all six of the young guys. We saw Fritz in it, and we also haven't seen a Tornado. So they, they've got some more steps to add to it. And then, uh, you know, this will be about maybe Chris Adams. We'll just see what's going on with him. 
Yeah, because he's know, he's gonna languish for a little while. <laughs> well, and I it's, wanted to, I wanted to say something you were talking about just now. You know, you you talk about the Fort Worth show. So, a lot of people out there who are listening to this, um, you know, everything on the WWE Network is is the Sportatorium show. But what Lance brings to the World Class show that we do on Patreon is he. He talks about what's going on also to tie in what's going on at the Fort Worth show because there was a show opposite. There was a you have the world class sportatorium show, I'll call it the syndicated. But then there was also a show that came on Saturday nights in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Lance has a lot of background on on those shows. So he kind of talks about what's going on with all the angles there. That way, the syndicated show that we review makes more sense. Uh, Did I say that right, Lance? Yeah, it's incredible. And for example, you know, a guy like Johnny Mantell, who was actually protected pretty good on the syndicated show. If you watch the Saturday night show, we saw him wrestle um, three times as much as if you just watch the syndicated. And we saw him lose a lot more <laughs> and things like that. So you have a different view if you watch those shows. Those were much slower show. They were mid-card uh, matches, not exactly squashes all the time, but, you know, mid-card main events if you will and they also that show drove the the local house shows so there were always the stars always did interviews on those shows and that's where a ton of the angles actually happened because if something happened at the sportatorium we really it took a week or two to find out uh, uh, two weeks to three weeks to find out compared to the fort worth show where something happened it was filmed on monday and that saturday it aired so i always you know and and mark lorenz hosted it you know mark i always call him more of a storyteller than uh than bill Murmur, bill mercer because mark had to sell the individual shows and the and ex- give you all the exact details of how you were supposed to be viewing each angle you know during a match mark's telling you exactly how we should feel and, yeah, and uh, I don't just, see it, you know, Mercer didn't do that at all. Well, and we just were talking about how earlier in this episode, we were talking about how Lawrence called. We had both mentioned how he was really good and we thought he was so much better. And, and that's really part of it. He he was a better narrator of what was going on storyline wise than Bill Mercer was. Mercer, and it kind of wasn't his fault, just the way the tapings were. So I don't want to blame Bill Mercer because we love Bill Mercer. But uh, L- Mark Lawrence was was much better at narrating the angles and stories. Is that kind of fair to say? Yeah, and I like Mercer more having gone through these matches with you the last year and a half than I than I originally did as a kid. I didn't think much of him, and then he kind of been made fun of on the on the internet like everything else. Um, he's not as bad as I remember him. There's a few places, but he can't help it. He's not doing commentary down at ringside. I don't know if if Bill was doing it more in the studio or he was doing a lot of times he was doing it up at the aisle and he couldn't see what was happening in the ring. Uh, Mark's just. You know, he's right there on it. And he's better. At, I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. He's, he's just on it I, in all kinds of ways. I, I think it is. Uh, Mercer just has the name locally here in Dallas, still does. If he, I think he's 92. He's, you know, professor emeritus up in, in North Texas State University or University of North Texas now in communications. So, you know, he's got a big influence here. He'll be on the Ranger game, uh, Texas Rangers baseball game. He'll be on there once a year. They'll interview him uh, because he did, you know, s- local sports in the area for so long and he's known. And they'll, they'll always mention the wrestling so that's kind of neat i always try to catch that luckily twitter you know it'll say oh bill mercer's going to be on the night and it'll be the you know the one time in the middle of the summer that he's on a on a on a game and you know that's pretty cool i hear you there i man. have so got like to meet mark at a few shows and and stuff and, and he was he's been very nice to me and everything um so real quick um 
I, I totally agree with your assessment. Um, just Mark is just so much better. I mean, it's hard to, it's really hard to explain. But uh, and again, it's not we're not talking bad on Mercer. It's just just the way Mark Lawrence calls it and narrates the action as far as the storylines that are going on with the guys is is what we're pointing at. But uh, I did. So is Mercer still like working, Lance? Um, you know, when they get that, perf- you know, that tenure at a college, I-, I don't know that he's actually going into a class. He, no, you he said may something be. about the Rangers. I mean, and he's got TA, something... teachers assistants doing it and stuff, but he's no, pretty, you, pretty old. You said something, you said something about the Rangers. Yeah. He's always on the, uh, the Ranger game each year. You know, the, the T- Texas Ranger game, our local guys, you know, have been there forever. It's a guy, uh, Tom Grieve, you know, he played with the Rangers, came to the Rangers, you know, when the Rangers came to Arlington, he was the general manager and he's still doing TV. I thought he'd retired a little bit, but he, he was on the Ranger game yesterday and they'll, uh, you know, have him as a guest in the booth once a year, uh, Bill Mer- that Bill Mercer, that is. Gotcha. And so, you know, that's, that's pretty neat. You know, they'll have him on there. Kind okay. of a throwback. Was, yeah. Yeah. I was confused when you said that. I was like, really? Um, I don't remember that, but no, no, no. I hear you. Oh yeah. Last, maybe last two or three years they've had uh, Mercer come on there. Okay. Well, Lance, anything else before we uh, get out of here? And, man, uh, I think I've given you, given you all I got. I can't wait for the next episode. Yeah, man. So uh, basically what Lance and I do is almost, uh, I'll say almost, we may have missed here and there, but it's not often. We do uh, we do these pretty much every two weeks. So most of the time what we do is we take, we take two episodes, sometimes three, and we'll do a world-class episode episode we call it the world class cast and it's every two weeks they basically drop don't hold us to it but essentially that's basically uh what you get and to this date um doc and harper and i actually started at the end of 1982 before the von eric and freebird feud popped off uh if you remember christmas star wars of 82 when gordy slammed the cage door on on Carrie's head. Uh, we started a little bit before that. And then Lance jumped on board with me in January of 83, since he's the expert and doc isn't. Yeah. That's a shot at doc. Um, when it comes to world-class, uh, Lance and I have been doing this since then. So we're, we're about a year and a half in, uh, with just Lance and I, and uh, about a year and nine months or so, uh, uh, a little bit, actually I say a year and a half. We're about a year, Lance and I are about a year and yeah, a year and a half into it. And, and the rest of us, uh, Doc and Hopper and I, we, we started, like I said, around November, or October of 82. So lots of world-class shows of world-class is your territory to, look back and watch along with and um, do some reviews and under and, and have fun as we catalog uh, the great years of world-class championship. You, you think I'd so. be a better broadcaster by uh, having done it a year and a half by now. But. You're 10 times better than me. I'll just put that I'm out always there. hard on myself. If anybody's just starting out with this, you know, I recommend that April 1st, 83 show at the state fair Coliseum reviewing that or uh, listening to our show on the June 17th reunion arena show. I think we really did a good sh- a good job with the Kevin and Harley race uh, episode. I think that, you know, we're, it was really great. And then there's the, uh, of course, the country whipping match that's in November of 83 that uh, I just think are some of our best shows. Uh, you know, they were the best times in world class, fun stuff. Uh, but you can just start at the beginning and go from there. Yeah, lots of fun though, man. Just to be honest with you, so. Mike pick Mike just picked me up out of nowhere, just like Garvin did uh, Sunshine and. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know if it was that like that, but it was kind of like that. So I don't know that I'm the will... home run she is, or or uh, or or precious, or what. Missy oh, you're Heidel definitely, is. you're de- yeah, yeah, definitely not. But uh... <laughs> I, I don't know that I'll be a home run like that. But uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to spit it all out. You'll see those early episodes. I'm just trying to say everything I can possibly say in every episode, and I've calmed down just a little until I got to this episode where I had a lot to say. <laughs> Well, with that said, we're going to get out of here now. Uh, Lance, uh, why don't you steal Harper's tagline and, uh, and uh, let's, let's get out of here. Book it, bitch. <laughs>